I'm back. <laughs> no, just kidding. I can't come back. Uh, we're in Scotland and uh, just because lockdown, it's so difficult, but we are, uh, we've been following Springvale for the last couple months, especially. And uh, there's a part of us that really misses Canada, misses you guys. Uh, and then the other part of us that's just excited about what God's been doing here. Uh, for those of you who might know, we, when we left, uh, we had to come to Scotland, uh, do a couple meetings and Holly was pregnant at the time and so she actually got grounded so I had to fly back to Canada close on the house with Theo pack up the house and then fly back to Scotland and uh, we flew back the day before Justin Trudeau closed the borders and so it's just like by, by like the 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 bare skin of our knuckles we just got in uh, and and over this past eight nine months or so uh, Millie our daughter so Camilla Elizabeth Gazdick was born but there was some medical complications and for those of you who were following you were praying and and you just your encouragement and your support was just huge and I just want to first and foremost say thank you so much uh, she has recovered well. Millie has a huge sense of humor and laughter and joy. Uh, Theo's doing great as well. And Holly and I, we're just, we're just tired parents. And anyone who's been parents of kids, you, you know the exhaustion in the sense. Uh, but nonetheless, we've been following along with what's been going on in Springvale. And uh, it's been just encouraging, cool to see. As we've been here, I've been at a church, uh, and in this time, we have been able to do a church plant. We've been doing quite a bit of outreach, even though we've been under restriction, and it's been quite a different way of doing church. Uh, but nonetheless, God's been working here just as he's been working there, and, and it's just been beautiful and cool and a weird time to be alive. So, without further ado, I want to just pray for you today as we get into this message. Uh, as I was just praying for you guys and praying for just where we're at as, as a global church, it just this has been a message that's been on my heart for some time, and it just kind of came together. And I just I'm so excited to share this with you. Uh, and it's it's a, kind of a bit of a heavier subject, um, but let's just take a moment and let's pray. God. You're the creator of the universe, and you've invited us into relationship to come know you. And though we're imperfect, though we've messed up time after time, you've been patient, you've been gracious. God, I pray for anyone who's been struggling. I just pray that, that today they might just see there's hope, there's peace, there's joy in you. God, God I thank you just so much for, for how you promise to be with us. That you don't just leave us on our own. This morning, as we get into your word, I pray that our hearts might be just in a position where we're ready to listen. That your words might not just go um, and fall in deaf ears, but actually sink and hit and penetrate on the heart level. God, you want to work on that level. You want to change us and transform us. And so for that very reason, I pray that we might just be ready to hear what you've got to say uh, through your word. In your name, amen. When I read this book, and I see the truths in it, I see some of the things that, of just how God talks about us as being part of his household, about being part of his family. These truths really encourage and, and inspires us as believers. Like you think about what it says in Colossians, about how we go from being an enemy of God to now being reconciled. Or you look at 
Peter, and it talks about how no, we've not only been reconciled, but we've received a, a, an inheritance that will never fade. You look at how in Romans it talks about how we are co-heirs with Christ. That we have been adopted, how we've been a part of God's family. You look at Ephesians about how we are able to now freely approach the creator of the cosmos as our Father. And not only that, but He's given us Himself. He, he's given us His Holy Spirit, the very Spirit that was with God in creation. And God doesn't just only promise to be with us. He's also a God who empathizes, who understands just the messiness of what it means to be a human being. And, and so when we pray, He can relate with the struggles, the pains we're going through. And He knows He can say, I've been there. I know what it's like. You know, you read through scriptures and there's so many more truths and, and the list can go on and on. But one of the things that really stands out to me is just how, how nothing can separate us from the love of God. Like nothing in heaven or on earth can separate us from that. You know, as a believer, I read these truths about what it means to be a child of God and I'm just encouraged and inspired. And, and as great as this is for our hearts, there's an equally important message that is often overlooked because we tend to be self-seeking in how we approach God. Uh, think about it with me for a second. Like, like God has done all this stuff. He's rescued us. He's, he's made us as co-heirs. He's imparted himself on us. And I don't think he's done it so that we just live our lives however we now want to live. In fact, it says throughout Scripture that, that God wants our hearts and, and that God's a jealous God for us. And God goes after our hearts because morality or uh, rituals is just, it's, it's a superficial level. You see, your heart is where everything flows from. So, for instance, if you have joy in your heart, it comes out in your uh, behavior. If you have hope in your heart, it comes out in your speech. If you have peace in your heart, it comes out in your pace of life. We think of everything that God has done for us. It's incredible, like what He's done and how He's rescued us and how He's redeemed us. And so every morning and throughout the day, we have multiple opportunities to decide, you know, am I going to live what this means out? Am I going to really embrace this? Or am I going to result in living the way that I'm so familiar with? The way we're familiar with is what, the way that our world teaches, you know, live after whatever your heart's desire is. Do what you want to do. Take things in your own control. But, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, being a Christian is actually a call to live quite differently. And in fact, you see throughout Scripture quite a few extreme examples of what it means to be a believer. We're called to be ambassadors for God. In other words, we're called to represent Christ wherever we go. We're called to deny ourselves, and in some cases, even to die to ourselves. We're called to love God with every fiber, every ounce of our being. We're called to love our neighbors to the extent that we love ourselves. We're called to forgive to the degree that God has forgiven us. We're called to be patient. We're called to be kind. We're called to honor government, even if we don't like the people in, in power. We're, we're invited to freedom and, and freedom from shame and guilt, but we're also cautioned not to 
use that as a cover-up for evil. We're called to live as God is holy. It's quite clear how God wants us to live. He wants us to give us Him all of our heart, not part of it. Anything less than 100% is actually sin. We're dropping the ball. And so for some of us, we've been flirting with this because it's like we want part of God, but also we want to live the way we want to live. We want to live after the pursuits that this world says that are great and are of value. And so we're living with a divided heart. And so maybe you've been giving God lip service or you've been doing the rituals and doing all the right things, and yet you might be fooling everyone around you, but you're not fooling the person that it matters most, God. You're, you're not even fooling yourself. And I want to say, if, if that's you uh, today, I just want to say, let's just cut that out. Let's address this. Because this is a pandemic in and throughout the church. Th- this is a matter of sin. And, uh, you know, typically as believers, we tend to have actually, I think, a fairly uh, light view of sin. Because we look at scripture and it says that God will forgive us no matter what. And that's 100% true. But sin's still a serious matter as a believer. Addressing it is still really important. And I get it. Sometimes the tension is, oh, but sometimes the sin is just so delicious, so tempting. And, and so you want to pursue after that sin. And for instance, you know, sometimes someone's hurt you and you just want to pay them back. And, and so as a believer, you know, okay, if I just lash out, then God will forgive me instead of doing what God's called us to do and to forgive them first. Or maybe there's a different area of sin in your life that, that you are, are dabbling with knowing that God will still forgive you at the end of the day. The side effects of this is actually quite detrimental to people's lives. And I I don't think I fully understood this until a couple of years ago. I was reading um, 1 Peter, and I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, where you read scripture, you've read through a certain passage, and uh, like several times before, and you get to it, and sometimes it just jumps out to you as if you've never read it before. This, this passage is one of those cases. I was reading it and it completely changed my attitude towards sin. I, I want to share that with you. So the passage I want to share with you is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Peter writes, he writes in and says, Dear friends. He says this not just as, as relational friends, but also as, hey, this is your identity, as co-heirs as Christ, with Christ, as a co-believers. He's writing this. I urge you, I implore you, I ask of you as foreigners and exiles, reminding them that, hey, your citizenship is not in where you live. Your citizenship is in heaven. To abstain from sinful desires. We'll get to that in a second which wage war against your soul. In other words, if if you think about it, it's clear as day and night, sin wages war against our soul, against the souls of believers. Just think about that for a moment. Let that process. I, I think maybe part of you might see this and be like, wait a second, but I thought you said, I thought scripture says that nothing can separate me from the love of God. I thought that I was an ambassador. I thought I was a royal priesthood. And you'd be 100% right. But what this text is pointing out and what this is showing is for believers to dabble in sin, to entertain sin. It's actually to welcome an onslaught against you. As um, 
a, a, a way to think about it is, you know, I have a wedding ring. And this ring symbolizes my marriage, my covenant to my wife. You know, I can say I'm married to her and, and we have two beautiful kids and I can say that she's my wife. But if I start cheating on her on the side, then it doesn't matter that I've got a ring on myself. What matters is the fact that my heart's divided. And that affair is actually going to impact my marriage, just like sin impacts a relationship with God. And it's like, no wonder so many people, they're bored of Scripture because they, they've read it or maybe parts of it and they're like, ah, it's kind of boring, it's, it's outdated. But I think part of the reason why they feel this way is because you've not read this and then applied it to your life. You said, oh, you know, this is subjective truth, however you want, but that's fine for them, but not, I'm not going to apply it. Or, or maybe, you know, you have been dabbling with an area of sin in your life and, and you've been wondering why God uh, it doesn't seem close to you, why don't you don't feel that intimate feeling like you used to have or you see other people have and, and you're wondering. Well, the reality is you're grieving the Holy Spirit. And you're at odds. Your heart is divided between these two things. And God is a jealous God and He will not be toyed with in the sense of He's not okay with you flirting with something else on the side. Something else being at the center of your heart. This is why Peter also says in here that we're called to be holy as God is holy. This idea of being holy as God is, it's unattainable, it's difficult. What does that even mean? Like, like, to be honest, we see this in Isaiah, we see this in Revelation, we actually sing some worship songs of how holy God is. On a very simple level, something that is holy is something that is uniquely set apart for a specific purpose. God is this to the extreme. God's purpose is love, His existence, His being. But we're called to be holy as God is holy. And so it's like, well, what does that mean? How do we look like that? There's a tension, right? The tension is God has called us to, to be ambassadors, co-heirs with Christ, uh, uh, forgive others as He's forgiven us. And on the other hand, it's like, well, you know, the world says, live after the pursuits or the gains that you want. Do what you want to do. And there's this tension because it's like, as a Christian, you, you're, you're kind of pulling at two sides and trying to figure out how do we merge these together. John Newton, in one of his hymns, he says this really well. He says, Our pleasure and our duty, though opposite before, since we have seen his beauty, are joined apart no more. Our pleasure and our duty at one point are opposite. At one point in our life, it is painful, it is difficult to do what God wants us to do. But when we encounter Jesus, they come together. Our joy and our interests and our passions become the passions that God has. That, that's what it means to be holy, to be merged with God's desires, God's heart. The way this takes place, though, is it starts on our own heart level. Our hearts need to be wholly focused on Him.
So the burning question then is how do I experience this? How do I experience this, this same heart that God has when my heart's so divided and focused on other areas of my life? Maybe it's a matter of simply reading scripture and then applying some of those things. Or perhaps it's a matter of praying and spending time with God. You know, in some cases though, this can kind of become like surface level responses because at the end of the day, your heart's not right. And your heart is the place where everything stems out of. So, so you can do everything right, but if your heart's not in the right place, you'd be missing out. I love what David does in the Psalms. In Psalm 139, he says to God, he says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and my, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offense, any way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. As he's saying this as a prayer, he's ultimately revealing, exposing his heart to God and saying, God, where, where do I need to be refined? Where has my heart veered to the left or to the right? In one sense, having a prayer like this is actually kind of an uncomfortable prayer because it means God's going to expose areas of your life that you might not want to give up. Maybe because of safety or maybe because you're just comfortable. But God, God wants your heart. He wants all of it. He doesn't want part of it. And so if you want to experience the joy, the, the peace, the hope that God's uh, promised throughout Scripture, the, the reality of what it means to be a son or a daughter of God, then, then there's areas of your heart that needs to be addressed. This is tough. This is difficult. And because one of the things that you find is the more you, you go to God and say, God, wait, search me, find anything in my that was wrong, the more you see your imperfections, the faults at work in your life, and yet God doesn't bash you over the head for every mess up. But it says, says, instead he says, I, you're forgiven, you're loved. This is why identity is so big in scripture because God has rescued you, redeemed you. And he's calling you to this. And so what you do is when you go before God and you say, God, I, I'm sorry, I've got areas of my life that's imperfect and, and messed up. God's response is like, hey, you know I actually already died for you knowing this about you. I knew you would struggle with this. I knew that tomorrow the thing that you come to me, you'll, you, you've been struggling with as well. And the beauty of it is God's forgiveness is limitless. And every time you come to him with this, you just realize the depth of his love. And over time, you experience this alignment of heart. I'd like us to take a moment to just reflect, to ask God to search our hearts. I think for some of us, there are some very specific things that we know He wants to work in. I want us to just take a moment and let's pray before our King. God, as you search our heart, for some of us, we've got like a cancer in our heart. We, we, we're, we've got a divided heart. We've been giving you a lip service. We've been doing all the right things, and yet we're not fooling you. And now you're saying, okay, let's address this. Let's pull this out. So God, I pray that anyone who's got any sin in their life, that that just might surface, and, and that we might be bold enough to sacrificially bring this to you and say, God, this has been what has been dividing my heart. And as we put our hands open, asking that you might take it, 
that we're not just left with open hands, but we know that, that you promised to, to walk with us in this. I pray that we might be a generation of men and women who are courageous in the face of sin. I pray that we may address this because we, we realize and we recognize that this affects our relationship with you and consequently it actually affects our relationship with others. God, thank you so much for just being gracious and patient. You have the full authority, the full right to, 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 to discipline us, to punish us, and yet you're patient, you're gracious. And for that, I'm so thankful. That gives me hope and the freedom to actually come to you with things and, and actually confess without being afraid. God, I, I thank you for the people of Springvale. I thank you how, you know, in Canada, there's the church. In Scotland, there's the church. Around the globe, there's the church. And, and just how diverse your church is and, and how it's made up of people. And, and the common denominator is we are all messy, broken, imperfect people who have encountered your favorable love. And because of that, have an opportunity to be changed and transformed. And our lives aren't perfect right away from that moment that we choose to follow you. We're, we're continually being refined and it hurts and it's difficult. And yet you, you, you're, you're patient. You're willing to work with us. So God, I, I thank you for your word and how, how true and how powerful and how deep it goes. Thank you for working on a heart level. In your name, amen. Well, Springvale, I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And let's just hope that 2021 is a bit better than 2020. But nonetheless, we can't wait to see you uh, whenever we get to come back. So, yeah, take care and have a great rest of your day.